Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, May 18th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. We're going to talk about the Buckeyes' schedule for 2022. It is loaded. We now know the Notre Dame game backs is going to be a 7.30 p.m. start at the Horseshoe on ABC. We know the game against that team up north is going to be a noon kick as usual. What I want to ask you, my friend, um, let's go in reverse order. We had someone on Twitter ask us, go in reverse order and give us like, you know, from 12 to 1, the toughest opponents for Ohio State this year. I'll do mine in a moment. You go first. Do we Should we just both do our weakest and then work our way up? You just go 12 to 1 and I'll go. I, I got mine in the queue. Okay. And well, I actually, as you know, to give the people, like, let them, like, see behind the curtain a little bit, I sent you my list. You go ahead. Ignore the man behind the curtain. There is no man behind the curtain. Um, <laughs> no, I think the uh, the clearly the weakest team has is, is got to be Arkansas State. They were 2-10 and 10 last year in the Sun Belt. That's about as bad as you can be in major college football, if you wouldn't even call that major at that point. So I think that's the weakest team on our schedule here. Um, I think the number two weakest team – would be the Toledo Rockets, and these are all back-to-back games, by the way, so that helps Ohio State uh, get a little bit of fluff in between the big two games in the month of September. Uh, My number three weakest game, a.k.a. the 10th toughest, is going to be the Indiana Hoosiers in the horseshoe late in the year. Yep. Yep. No respect for Tom Allen. I'm good with that. that. Not a lot of respect for Tom Allen. Um, Honestly, the Hoosiers have been way better than – they typically have historically been under him, but just where that falls on the schedule for me is it's if Indiana ever breaks their losing streak to Ohio state, it won't be in the horseshoe. Like just, just that simple. And it's been since I was three years old, the last time they beat the Buckeyes. So I'm going to go with the stats and the history on that one. Um, In my opinion, the next weakest game on the schedule is going to be Rutgers also in the horseshoe. Uh, Again, home field advantage against these when was the last time we lost to a like like a middling big 10 team at home i mean really think about it when is it the last time we lost to a big 10 team at home period and then when you think about it good question the teams we lose at home to are michigan state going to the to to win the big 10 right we lose at home to penn state going to win the big 10 right that's I what illinois and like in 2007. Like 2008 or whatever what yeah they went to the rose bowl they went to, right Right, you can't even count that. Right, we don't lose at home to shitty Big Ten teams. Right, like, that's just the blunt truth. Right. So 
If we lose at home to a Big Ten team, it means they're good. So the last time we lost at home to a bad Big Ten team, if, and there's probably somebody who's going to correct me on this, but the last time we lost at home to a bad Big Ten team, in my mind, was 2004. Penn State, there was a bad Penn State team that beat Ohio State when, when Pryor fumbled. But, but that, that wasn't Ohio a bad Penn State team. They won the Big Ten that year. But that Ohio State team was, wasn't very good either. Excuse me? That was 2008, and that Penn State team went to the Rose Bowl. There you go. See, I'm trying to like reach for things like okay, 2004. What, what Purdue, about the team no. that went to the Rose Bowl in 20, uh, 2007? Well, no, Purdue uh, 2004. What about, what about 2008? Rose. Penn State Rose you know Bowl. Life is good when those are your bad losses at home. Yeah, thing, like though. we have some stinkers out of conference. I would say losing at home to Miami out of con or no on the road to Miami, so that didn't count. So, but like Baldwin um, in style. Losing to USC that. in 2009 at home. That so, was bad. Here, that that was leads bad me to my next point. They have not beaten a good non-conference opponent at home in a long time. And, like, yeah. I, I, I almost – I've overlooked this. Like, I was going back over this yesterday, last night. Like, dude, it's been a long time. Like, Notre Dame's coming to town, like, week one. It's been a long time since Ohio State – They've had a bad string of losing to – and not even, like, necessarily, like, really great non-conference opponents. Just, like, Oregon. decent Virginia Oklahoma. Tech. Virginia okay. Tech. Right. A USC team that finished 8-5 and five with a true freshman quarterback. At least we beat Miami at home. That would have been bad. I mean, like, if you look at the teams that – we used to be dynamite at home, and it goes back to that Texas loss in 2005 at home. Ever since then, when we play these big, like, home-and-home home series – the road games are the ones we do well in, right? Outside of USC, we've it, it, it's it's typically been we feel good about the road games and the home games are, oh, you know. So I I have some concerns there, but we'll get to that here because we're totally off the wagon in terms of our order of <laughs> games that we're worried about here. So where was I? I was at Rutgers was number nine, right? So yeah. number eight for me will be Northwestern. Um, they stunk last year, so it means this year they'll probably win eight games, and it's at Northwestern is the only reason I have them at eight. Um, flip side of that is is that Northwestern can't keep doing the Pat Fitzgerald yo-yo forever. This may be the year that they stink consecutive games in a row. So I would go with the game on November 5th at uh, Evanston, a.k.a. Ohio Stadium West, as my eighth toughest game. Uh, my seventh toughest game it will be a home game against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yes, I'm saying Iowa at home is in the bottom half of the schedule difficulty. Some people are going to disagree with that, and I understand that. But the reality is I will take that home game from Ohio State against Iowa. It bodes well for them because the next week they have to hit the road for Penn State. They won't be looking ahead to that with Iowa. They're going to be focused on that game. The sixth most difficult game in my book is late in the year at Maryland. This is a sneaky, scary game. It has trap written all over it. It, it, Admiral Akbar, it's a trap. Like, that's what this game is. Because Talia Tagovailoa actually is good at football if he's healthy. He actually has weapons at receiver. It's the week before we play the game. And you know that game is going to be, if there's any game we look forward ahead to, it's going to be that one. So Maryland's a bit of a trap. And if you remember, we almost lost to them a couple of years ago. So if the defense doesn't improve in College Park, that's a scary one. The number five most difficult game to me right now would be at Michigan State. Uh, I think Sparty is is a team that we have more talent than. But if you look at where it falls on the schedule, 
It is the week before that Iowa game. It's the week before Penn State game. It's coming off of the Rutgers game at home. And there's, by the way, another very difficult game the week before that Wisconsin game. So going to East Lansing, a little concerning to me. My number four game is going to be the Wisconsin Badgers at home at the end of September. I love where that falls in the schedule for OSU. It's fourth game of the year after two puff games and a very important opening game. But it's a home game in the shoe. It's not one of these games where it's going to be 14 degrees and raining and people are slipping everywhere, which is the classic Wisconsin upset conditions. I like Ohio State's chances there, but Wisconsin's is probably my favorite to win the Big Ten West this year. So that's my number four game. My number three most difficult game for Ohio State is the kickoff game of the year against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, uh, against old friend Marcus Freeman. Uh, This is a Notre Dame team that has a ton of talent. They're extraordinarily talented uh, in many respects. If you look at the way that they brought in their recruiting classes, it's a program that's out to prove something. You know those guys are going to want to win Freeman's first game, much less his first game at the home stadium's alma mater. That's that's a big, 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 big game. That game is going to define our season in a lot of ways. Because if Ohio State doesn't win that game, the wheels could fall off of what's a tough schedule. Number two most difficult game to me is going to be Happy Valley, October 29th. Assuredly a night whiteout game because it always is there. They always get the night whiteout game. What do we get? Noon in sunshine. So, yeah, uh, that's clearly going to be the toughest game for uh, Ohio State, except the toughest game will clearly be Michigan because we lost to those jerks last year. So I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Everybody can be objective about what they think the toughest game is. None of these games are going to be tougher than Michigan because we lost to them last year. And there's nothing else that's going to be of anything more importance to me than beating them. So you can disagree with me, Dave. I'll let you do your list in a minute here. But if you're watching this, name one game you want to lose less than that one. That's, that's not the question. And that's our toughest game. That's you just went straw man hall of fame right there. I, if I went, if I went and asked you, you want me the scarecrow, then I don't care. Michigan you game like, number what one. Game we want to win the most. Of course we know what it is. Quit moving the goalposts. Quit and it's the also the toughest because they actually no, you know believe. Now no, we're talking, l- listen, just stay, stay focused, stay focused. Here are the 12 toughest games in reverse order for the Buckeyes this year. Arkansas state, Toledo, Rutgers at Northwestern, Indiana at Maryland. By the way, Ryan Day hates Mike Loxley. Just keep that in mind. Yeah, he really does. Uh, he really does. Pick up by forty. Um, so everybody, Iowa at Michigan State, and then the rest of them kind of bunched together. Notre Dame, Michigan, Wisconsin at Penn State. Do you think Scotty's a State, tougher game than Notre Dame State and Michigan? Better? Do I think Penn State is better than the three previous teams on my list? No, you can see them at the bottom of my list. Do I think Penn State's a better team? No. But because I know the wideout is real, I'm saying that's the toughest game on Ohio State's schedule. Man, they have got a tough schedule. This is, for as long as I can remember, as a fan, as a reporter, this is as tough and as fun of a schedule as I can remember for the Buckeyes. I love it. Bax, you tell me where I'm wrong. Well, first of all, if you think Scotty is a tougher game, than Notre Dame or Michigan, I, I I have I have concerns. I don't think Scotty in any way, shape, or form the th- the second toughest game. It's at home early in the year in the horseshoe. And if you go to the the college, the other two games are at home closet, too. Yeah, but no, we're not. We're at Penn State, right? I said Penn State. I thought you okay. meant. I thought you said Michigan. No, but still Michigan and Michigan and, and um in Wisconsin. And no, yeah, but Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Okay, let me just. I'm going to go some basic stuff here. 
The talent team composite, Notre Dame is 12th. Michigan is 15th. Wisconsin is all the way in the 20s, right? So, like, just alone, there's more talent on those other teams. And they're at more difficult points in the schedule. You don't know what the injuries look like for Michigan. You don't know what who's going to be ready at the start of the year. Fourth game of the season at home against Wisconsin, that has a win written all over for Ohio State to me. I, I, I And I know that's like, yeah, that's probably the best team in the West this year, but the West is always weaker than the East. So I think Wisconsin at two is way too high. That's my one, Daver. I, I think that that, uh, that needs a little reevaluation. So you disagree with me in Michigan, and I disagree with you on Wisconsin. How's that? All I'm saying is it, it doesn't even matter, does it? We know who's going to win it all. Um, there you go. So we've had some people ask um, – we're switching gears as we were wont to do. Is recruiting on the defensive line up to snuff for the Buckeyes? I tell you what, like, I like this 2022 class. I, I want to get your thoughts overall, like going back a couple years, the 2022 class, the guys are going to be true freshmen this year going forward. I'll just say one thing before I turn the floor over to you. I like this 2022 class with Caden Curry, Hero Canoe, Kenyatta Jackson, Amari Abor. I like that foursome. Overall, though, but we've had some people ask this. How are you on D-line recruiting for the Buckeyes? Well, you know, this is kind of topical because I just wrote a bucket of bullets with a couple thousand words about defensive recruiting uh, on Sunday. So if you look at the 2021 and 2022 classes, like you said, the four we just brought in, very nice. The year before, JTT, Jack Sawyer, Mike Hall, Tyleek Williams. Show me another program in the country that's doing notably better than those eight guys that's awesome the issue we've ran into is the years before that if you look at the number of just top 24 7 defensive players in general much less d linemen we haven't had those classes turn into much in terms of production on the field and we said this last year our d line our best players in the d line were all freshmen they were all the younger guys and I think there's, we've reached sort of a point here with some of these older guys, like Zach Harrison going into his fifth year. Remember how big of a deal it was to keep him away from Michigan, right? Yeah. You keep the Ohio kid at home. The kid from – I can see his high school out my back door. That's how close this, this was for a lot of us. You can't lose the best kid in Ohio, the best kid in Columbus, right? Outside of that one year where he, he burst onto the scene, what have we had from him? Everybody was expecting, you know, this this – star level player and we haven't gotten enough of that we've got a guy that you know i see mock drafts saying zach harrison's going to be a first rounder this year i'm like did you get it like a new motor like that's the thing then i don't want to pick on just him you've got all these other guys you got a lot of these older upperclassmen that haven't done as much as we'd expected and if you look at the last couple uh like nfl drafts it's borne out even guys that produced early on like haskell garrett look look what happened he didn't get drafted you know you had a guy like tommy togi who came in and left before he, he had another year of eligibility left, and he was a fourth-round pick that I think the Browns got a steal on. But you, you got J, Javante Jean-Baptiste, who, you know, he's been okay at times, but he hasn't really been a game-breaker. you got all these older guys. I mean, Teron Vincent, hello. Like, we finally started seeing something from him towards the end of the year last year, but that's another guy who's just – he's been here for a while, but what has he really done? All these younger guys are the ones that right now are the ones we're going to hang our hat on this year. And I would love for these seniors to, to – and these upperclassmen to prove me wrong. I hope Zach Harrison is listening to the times that we keep saying looks like Tarzan plays like Jane, right? I hope that's the case, but we've had a a book on these guys at this point to see who they're going to be. And it's very rare when guys take a Curtis Grant kind of leap in their last year, right? What did John Cooper always say? If they're going to bite, they're going to bite as a pup, right? 
And we've seen a lot of these guys biting as pups already. So the last two years, yeah, those are great. I want to see that this year. We don't have any of those guys in the class yet for the class of 2023. I know it's early. People who are around for 20 years on Bucknuts are giggling about us, worrying about a recruiting class in May. But we have to keep funneling in these guys on the D-line. That's how Alabama, that's how Georgia, that's how LSU, that's how these Southern schools are bombing out these D-linemen. And that's what Ohio State did do for most of the Urban Meyer years is recruit consistently elite on the D-line. So we need another year to follow up on last year's class, to follow up in the 2021 class, to fill that gap that we're currently seeing from the 18 and 19 and 20 classes that didn't pan out the way we wanted them to, right? And 18 was okay. 18 was a solid last one for Urban. But, like, end of the day, you need more consistent production from your D-line and your recruiting, and we haven't had enough of that. So, yeah, let's see it this year. That's the big question. I believe in Jim Knowles and all that, but we need to see the rubber meet the road. And we also have to see the, all the whispers about Larry Johnson getting old, whether or not that's going to impact recruiting. It has to eventually, you'd think. But the last two classes, we've been lucky it hasn't. All right, last thing, my friend. So, obviously, having a outstanding quarterback in a recruiting class helps. <laughs> really helps when they are outgoing and they are like a recruiting coordinator kind of in their own right. We've seen it time and time again. Going back, to Justin Zwick's a great example way back in the 20, uh, 2002 class, even though Troy Smith ended up being the better quarterback in God that bless class. Justin Zwick. Justin Zwick helped recruit those guys we've seen it time and time again he was the glue in this 2024 class i mean he's got an outgoing personality he's helping recruit already we had somebody ask about this how much can this help how much will this help backs your thoughts on how much a guy like dylan rayola can help make the 2024 class perhaps the number one class in the nation there is nothing more valuable in a recruiting class than an early commit from an elite quarterback that simple Kids, all these kids go to college, and the number one reason that they're all doing this of the elite players that everybody's chasing is to play in the league. We all know that, but everybody knows they have three years, so they got to work until they're there. So, what do they want to do while they're there? They want to get better, sure. They all want to get to the league, right? Lots of schools complain about getting kids to the league. You know what they want to do in the interim? They want to win. They want to win football games. They want to be part of an elite class that helps make them better that they can win football games with. The number one indicator of whether or not you're going to win football games. Uh, aside from being at one of about 10 to 15 schools that's going to be consistently good if they recruit well enough, is a quarterback, right? So if you're coming to college campus and you have a guy who is a year and a half before he can sign is recruiting for you already, all those guys are going to follow him. And like you said, the Justin Zwick effect is still to this day the best example of that. Ohio as a state finally had a five-star quarterback in 2002. And for those of you who don't remember, gather around the tail here. We're going to tell you about the class of 2002. Right, which was headlined by greats such as Bobby Carpenter, AJ Hawk. Uh, you had Nick Mangold in that class. Maurice you had Clarice Claret, Maurice the Beast, Holmes. Oh my God, Antonio. What a oh, class man. that was! Oh my gosh, oh, it was the number two class in the country at the time. That was a one, one underrated by one spot. Let's just go there. Texas but, and Vince Young got him by one spot, but whatever. Vince Young. Whatever. Anyways, hey, listen. When we get the number two class in the country, it works out. Some of my favorite classes, 2002, 2013, mm-hmm. 2017. Yep. Everybody can go back. And then and then 2021, or excuse me, 20, yeah, 2021. All four of those. Finished number two in the country, all of them, four of my favorite classes. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you get that quarterback early, like the Zwick example. 
and everybody got rallies around that guy. And he's the one who's the, he's the one who can help because here's the thing. The coaches can recruit, the coaches can promise stuff. Game knows game, ball knows ball. And in today's social media environment, these guys are all talking. So if Rayola's outgoing, right? He, imagine the brew crew, if Terrell Pryor had committed like three months before everybody else, not three months after everybody else, what the impact <laughs> in recruiting would have been, right. right? That's what we're looking at here with a guy in Rayola. That's what the reality here is, is that everybody's like, he's the talisman, right? To use a British soccer term, he's the talisman of the class. Everybody wants to follow him. Everybody is awed by this, and it's attracting a light that attracts bugs left and right. And by bugs, I mean high four-star and five-star recruits. Kids want to play with elite players. They want to win while they're on college, and they all think they're only going to be there three years. So you might as well win while you're there. So, yeah, Rayola is invaluable. He is absolutely invaluable. And if Ohio State can do something and win a national championship before he gets here, that would only help us even more. But that, to me, is the number one most valuable thing you can have in a recruiting class is an elite quarterback committed way early. Great stuff from Matt Baxendale. You can catch his column every Sunday. It is the bucket. He's the people's champ. Really appreciate all of you for tuning into the show. If you like the show, like, subscribe, give us a five-star review. All that stuff really helps. Really appreciate you guys. Thanks again to Bax. Thanks again to all of our listeners and viewers. Hope everyone has a great day. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.